0: Can you imagine being a new grad PA in the ICU for a few months and then COVID hits in New York? Yeah, me either, but Carlina did and she's sharing her story with us today. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. I want to thank My PA Resource and PA School Prep for sponsoring the Pre-PA Club podcast. So MyPA Resource is a personal statement editing service that edits only PA school essays, only edited by PAs, and most of us have admissions experience, so I am one of the editors. Definitely check them out if you need help with your content, grammar, flow, making sure that you are on track for turning in your application and you can use the code FuturePA PA for a discount on any of their service options. PA School Prep is an online course that focuses on the anatomy, physiology, and med terms that you'll need for PA school to make sure you feel confident going into that first semester and that you are able to handle what PA school throws at you. So check that out at paschoolprep.com and also use the code PA for a discount there. Was that not a super dramatic intro? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, Thank you for tuning in to the Pre-PA Club Podcast. Savannah here, and I'm excited to get to share today's um, story with you with Carlina. She is, as I said earlier, a PA who works in New York, and you'll hear all about it, but she works in the ICU, which got really crazy recently very unexpectedly and so I really appreciate how she reached out to me on Instagram and offered to share her story and just talk about what that's been like um, giving some insights into working in so many different ways as a new grad PA in an ICU during COVID in New York All these things. So um, we really get to talk about some cool stuff as well as how she's grown as a provider, you know, in her knowledge, but also emotionally, mentally, and what that's looked like these past few months. So I, again, very much appreciate her doing that. And she wrote a blog post she'll talk about in our interview that kind of debriefs her feelings on all of this. And so I have a link to that in the description. I'll also be posting it on Instagram so make sure y'all check that out. So um, I'm very thankful for her. All right. Before we jump into the the interview, I just want to put a quick, I don't know, not reminder, but word of advice, word of encouragement maybe out there. Um, you know, I'm getting a lot of messages like I still haven't heard anything. Some people are getting interviews and acceptances. And for a lot of schools, it's still early in the cycle. Every school does so many things differently. So don't give up hope. Keep keep pushing forward the waiting is awful it just is it's such a tough process um and there's there's not a ton you can do about it i think being connected in the pre-pa community whether that's on social media or in the pre-pa club on facebook is great just because your family and friends may not really understand what you're going through and what it feels like and the kind of gravity of the situation but I do, and all of your pre-PA colleagues do, so we can definitely support each other through that. Um, all right, I do wanna talk about a couple of events coming up before we get to the interview as well. Let me look at my calendar, actually. Um, so, tentatively, and I think this, I don't see any issues with this. Tentatively, on September 27th, um, last night we did an event called A Day in the Life of a Derm PA. This was a virtual shadowing event. And I'll be, you know, adding that information to the podcast in the upcoming months. Um, And next week, I'll let y'all know where you can watch a replay of that because it will be available. Um, But that, I want that to be something we continue with just PAs and different specialties as well as making that information available afterwards. So the next one is scheduled for August 27th and it's with a fan favorite, Mr. Brian Palm. Um, so, he's going to be talking about his life as a nocturnal ERPA. So, he only works nights in the ER. So, we're going to be um, kind of deep diving into his job on that date. Um, these are free sessions, um, and I will post the link to that. Um, I'll have it up on social media next week, and then I'll post in the description next week and remind y'all as well. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention is I am planning a a session specifically for leaders of pre-PA clubs at universities and schools. Um, That was something that came up as kind of a need in the Facebook group. So if you are on, you know, whatever y'all call it, the board or leadership of your pre-PA club, um, I would love for you to join me on September 13th at 8 p.m. Um, we are. That's gonna be a lot more interactive than these webinars, where I'm pretty much just gonna facilitate and try to kind of lead the conversation of brainstorming ways to, you know, increase engagement and spread the word about your club, what to do for club meetings, um, how to make your club as beneficial as possible to your members, so that we can all just kind of learn from each other. Because I know there are some really great pre pre PA clubs out there. Um, so. I will post um, I'll be posting a link to that this week as well and so be on the lookout and that'll go out in the newsletter at the end of the month as well so if you're not on there get on there the sign up is in the um, in the description um, but I post a lot so if you're not following on Instagram that's the easiest way to stay up to date so at the PA platform I post all the time okay that's enough let's hear from Carlina and thank you so much for joining me My name's
1: Carolina. I am a PA that's right now in New York City, um, practicing in the ICU, so critical care. Um, I've graduated in 2019, so I'm about a year out now. Um, I graduated from a dual master and bachelor's degree program, so I came out of high school, um, applied to the PA program, and got my bachelor's, my master's um, by
0: 2019. Cool, that's awesome. Um, So you knew in high school you wanted to be a PA?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I knew I wanted to do something in the medical field, um, you know, it was kind of like back and forth in terms of what exactly I want to do, but in high school, I was lucky enough to have this career fair, and um, one of my alumni actually came in, and he was practicing um, as a PA at the time, and he kind of exposed us in terms of the profession and what it is and exactly how different it is and different um clinicians and practitioners. So after that, I started doing some research. Um, I went along with the program that he went along with, you know, and I just applied and, you know, went from there.
0: Awesome. That's really cool. Um, so your applications looked a little different because you didn't really have to go through the process with picking schools and all of that later on, right?
1: Yeah. So it was a little bit different. Um, so I was exposed to a time where I could you know, do the four years traditionally of undergrad and then apply for PA school, um, but at the time he did tell me about this program, so I graduated from Wagner College, it's a program on Staten Island, um, so he told me about the program along with looking into other programs that provided you know, the bachelor's and the master's program, given that I was coming straight out of high school. Um, so the idea in my head at the time was, let me apply for these programs, and if I happen to get in, like that's wonderful, but if I don't, I will just do the four years of undergrad and you know, apply for PA school again. So it definitely was different, um, but because of the program giving two degrees um, within a short amount of time, so my program was a five-year program, um, it was a little bit more competitive. So it was a little bit harder to get in, and I applied not thinking I would get in, and then it actually happened. Um, but the interview process itself, is like the process of going to the PA school, um, it's pretty similar, so you're applying and then you're still doing the PA like interview and everything like that. The only difference is that you wouldn't have to do the four years of undergrad first.
0: Okay, at any point in that process, did you doubt what you were doing, or feel like, I'm too young, or this is too quick, or were you pretty confident throughout that you are making the right decision for you? So
1: it definitely was hard um, to begin with, um, just because so when I first got on, like, got, got into the program, you know, I was really happy, excited, um, and then the first two years of my program, essentially, you're doing all your general ed requirements um, and finishing that, and then third year would be your typically your didactic year, so The first two years, you know, it felt normal, like the normal college life, and then once I hit didactic year, that's when things kind of just started being a little bit more different. So I was with, um, traditionally my PA program, um, from nine to five, uh, you know, every single day in the library. And it was a little bit different because I had friends outside of the program who were living the college life and, you know, like, it just looks so much more simple out there. And here we are in the library studying 24 seven for many exams throughout the week. So definitely if there was a question of whether this is the right decision, if the timing was right, if this is what I wanted, it definitely did pop up. Um, and with how rigorous the curriculum was um, throughout didactic year and even through clinicals, um, I did question it a couple of times, like, is this the right thing? Um, just because so being so young and kind of put under that pressure um, and also being out on, you know, in the clinical sites expect to be so professional, but you're also so young. So you're <laughs> also meeting with, oh, you're so young, but you're about to be a PA in two years, so it's kind of like that, you know, proving yourself to other clinicians that you know what you want, so it definitely was a little bit more difficult.
0: Gotcha. Um, Was there any part of PA school that was especially challenging for you?
1: Um, I think the most challenging part was actually going out to clinicals, so like, you know, in didactic year, like, you can hide behind your laptops and your textbooks and, you know, memorize everything. But it definitely got more intimidating going out to the rotation sites. Um, you know, so many personalities out there in the healthcare field um, and really just kind of figuring out where you're grounded. Um, so that definitely was a hard part. Um, and my program gave us two years of clinicals. So oh, the wow. first year was your general ones. Yeah. So we would do typically um, the general surgery, OBGYN, so the main core ones. And then the second year would be a little bit more of the electives. So if you want to do like cardiac surgery, you could do CT surgery. If you want to do NICU, you could do that. Um, so I was really thankful for that with my program because I was, had a lot more exposure typically than yeah. the other students would. Um, but definitely my senior year, so the first year of rotation was very hard. Um, you know, it was between basically working and being in the hospital all the time and then coming home and studying for your EORs. So that definitely was like, you know, really hard. Um, but other than that,
0: I went smooth. It was good. Um, all right. So when it came time to get a job after you graduated, what were you looking for?
1: Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, so when I first, my last year of VA school, I won something that um, was in the more critical area. So typically a lot of us in my program actually won supply for the ER positions, um, but I don't know how it is in other places, but in New York, it's really hard to kind of get that um, without prior exposure and prior experience. So um, there's actually some programs out here that give you like an EM residency for PAs. Um, So those are also really competitive as well. So I was looking into that. And then I came across one of my alumni from my program telling me that her ICU in one of the hospitals in New York city was hiring and was looking, um, for actually new grads as well to train. So, you know, I was like, okay, like ICU, like critical care and let me try it out. So I actually ended up applying there, but I did apply for a whole bunch of, um, specialties. I've applied for HEMONC, I've applied for CT surgery cause I did do a rotation there. Um, so it was kind of just picking and choosing. It was really hard. I think the hardest part coming out of PA school is kind of figuring out what you want to do because you just have so many options. Um, but the best thing that I can like really say is that uh, the interviews really did it for me. So like me being able to talk to like my future employers and see how we actually connected through the interview um, and have that kind of like bonding conversation that really did it for me. So.
0: All right. So you ended up in the ICU. And when you say New York, are we talking like what I think of as New York, like Big Apple, like in the city. York, York Times oh. Square, yeah. <laughs> so, do you like walk to work? Do you take a taxi? Do you take a subway? Um, I guess that's what y'all, what y'all do.
1: Yeah. Um, so I live in Staten Island. So um, typically, people put like, take the ferry over. Um, so before COVID, I used to take the bus and the train over. Um, but now with everything going on, I've been
0: driving myself. Oh, okay. Um, so I, we'll get to COVID stuff for sure. So when you first started your job, did you feel equipped to jump into that role or did they train you? How did that transition kind of look like from being in PA school to actually taking care of patients and being responsible for them?
1: So, the reason why I chose um, my current job right now uh, over the other job offers that I did get is because of the training that they were able to give me. So, in my ICU, um, it used to be a medical ICU and then a surgical ICU. But when I started, actually, they combined it so it's kind of like a mid surge ICU. Um, And it's a PA and resident one floor. So I work really closely with the residents and the attendings. There's also the pulmonary critical fellows as well that I work with. Um, So how it's designed, it's two um, 16 beds um, and the beds are split among the interns and the PAs. Um, So with that, with my training, it took about six months of training. Um, so the first couple of months, it was really getting used to everything, um, the intensity of the critical care, um, really just getting hands on learning things and learning kind of applying the medicine that you've been learning throughout PA school. And then uh, later into my training, I was a little bit more hands on where I was able to do focuses, so like bedside ultrasounds. I've also been able to play central lines and arterial lines um, with the fellow. Um, so I have to say the training's really nice. Um, and the relationship with the fellows and the attendings and along with the other residents, we work really closely together as a team, which I really appreciate. Um, being that my hospital is like a teaching hospital, the training process was a little bit better. Um, so during my interview, I was speaking to my ICU director at the time and uh, she basically walked me through, was t- telling me the role of the PA, um, basically be working with the residents, which I really love. Um, but the in terms of the training process, um, it was difficult to adapt to being that you're a PA student, and now they're like, oh, you're a PA. And, like, it still takes a little bit to kind of, you know, adapt. And a lot of people have told me, like, you know, you won't get comfortable within your first months of, you know, training. It's going to take maybe a year or even two to start getting a little bit more comfortable. Um, so definitely, you know, the hardest part was questioning what I knew. So, like, I, I had an idea that I knew some things. I'm like, should I speak up? Should I not? Um And really, you know, putting yourself in that position. So, like, coming out of PA school, I knew I made it through that. But then actually working in the real world, it was another learning experience. So I knew that there was just so much more that I had to learn. Um, And it doesn't just end at PA school, unfortunately. Um, So, you know, I'm very grateful for the team that I work with. They're really helpful in terms of, you know, if I had any assistance that I needed, they would be there.
0: That sounds like such a great environment for just working and learning and and Definitely.
1: Yeah. I was definitely very nervous um, going into it because I was like, oh, my goodness, like the ICU, like what can go wrong? Um, but I do like I was drawn to that job just because of the support that I knew I would be able to get, especially coming out as a new grad, like you need your hand to be held a little bit more. Um, so it definitely did help.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, you well great experience. Um, so what, what does your, and we're kind of talking pre-COVID now because I don't know how things have changed, but what kind of was your schedule like and like kind of a day in the life as an ICU PA? So
1: for my schedule, you work, um, for me, I work 40 hours a week. Um, so typically that would be three days a week. Um, they're around like 12 and a half hour shifts. Um, so I work from like 7 to like 7.30 um, from 7 in the morning to 7.30, and then we started actually covering nights, so it's usually the same hours that we typically work. Um, a day in the life, um, just being an ICU PA, so it's the typical, like, you know, being in the hospital, rounding for a long couple of hours, um, and then just kind of going about your day and, like, you know, doing the to for each patient. Um, there are some busy days in the ICU, you know, where patients do crash on us. Um, so a lot of that comes with the training that I was able to get luckily in terms of uh, running codes, um, doing CPR and everything like that. Um, so it, it is a high acuity, but the good thing is that it's only three days a week or so. Um, sometimes I'm able to even line up my days where I can do six days um, within two weeks um, and have like a little time off too to kind of nice. recuperate as well. Um, so the, the flexibility of the NCPA is actually really nice. Um, you get the high intensity that you want, but you also have the time off, um, to, you know, pick up a per diem job or whether it's, you know, to do whatever you need
0: to do. That's awesome. Okay. So let's jump into COVID stuff, um, which obviously no one saw coming at all. (laughs) And especially not how crazy New York was. What just, what was that like? I mean... What happened?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, honestly, I, I look back now and I, I still can't believe how we made it through. Um, so when COVID had hit New York, that was, I believe, the end of February into the early March. Um, and I think I was probably about seven months out um, working at that point. I was getting comfortable with, like, you know, everything that I had to do. You know, I kind of knew everything, the flow, everything. And um, that's when COVID hit, when I started getting a little bit more comfortable. So it kind of really threw everything back to where it was. Um, So it came in March. So we have one ICU in my hospital for 16 beds. Um, Within that month of March, we opened um, two more ICUs. So I had three ICUs in my hospital Um, and all the medicine floors all became basically COVID floors um, for patients who didn't need the high foodie, um, for ICU. So it definitely was a big kick. (laughs) Um, so it was very different. So in terms of the scheduling for, um, PAs, there are two PAs on the floor with me. Um, so we got split up where one person would stay in one ICU, another person would stay in another ICU. Um, we have our medicine residents that we typically work with. Um, because we were so short-staffed um, with the three ICUs that we opened, the medicine residents were floated to the newer ICUs, whereas the ICU that we typically work in was filled in with um, floating residents. So we had the surgery interns come in. So everyone was kind of out of their scope, um, you know, being pulled left and right, to so things that they're not used to doing. Um, so the PAs actually got to step in and act as like the senior resident in a way. Um, so that was kind of a very different thing for me because me being only seven months out, I was like freaking out in my head, like, oh my goodness, like, what do you mean? I have to like help run the score. Um, so, you know, it definitely, a lot of the PAs that I work with, are also new grads as well. So it definitely pushed us to see what we're capable of out of our comfort zone. Um, but looking back now, it's actually made us grow so much from it. It definitely was really tough. Um, we made makeshift rooms in our icu Um, not all our icus have this negative pressure room where the covid patients would go so we actually created negative pressure made fake doors um it was definitely a very crazy time we had a lot of travelers come in and help us So travelers mps pas um, nurses and really grateful for them honestly without them they really they did a lot of you know of the help um but in terms of the intensity of it um I always said like pay school never teaches you how to grieve your patients. Mm-hmm. Um, you no, know, it's you know something we always like see on rotation, but you never really grasp onto it until you start taking care of the patients by yourself. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a big learning factor for me. So on top of like, you know, being thrown and like having to do like things that I wasn't comfortable with doing um, in terms of like just being so brand new out of school, it was also an emotional factor in terms of having to learn how to see all these patients pass and not do well. Also, like deliver the bad news to family members and like, you know, like teach them how to cope with it as well. Um, so it definitely was a mental like strength that you kind of learn. Um, we look back now and we're like, you know, if we do have this, you know, second wave of COVID, hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we always look around and I see like it's going to be a care- like a sense of PTSD for us um so it definitely was really hard you know i've had days where we couldn't round on the whole icu because you would have so many disruptions with patients like the saturating and like coding and stuff so it was really hard adapting to all of that it was honestly like every shift was like a mental and emotional physical like burden like it was you we were really tired all the time knowing you had to go back in not knowing what to expect um I remember when it first hit, a lot of the um, my old professors, like, reached out to me was like, how are you doing? I know you're in the ICU. Like, I'm be crazy. And I always said, I'm like, I never thought I'd sign up for this. Like, right. I, like, this is, like, crazy. Like, I would, if you told me, like, three years ago, like, your first year you're going to work in a pandemic, I'd be like, you're crazy. Um, so, you know, a lot of the medicine that I learned, it was kind of thrown out a little bit because everyone was just learning so much things about COVID. And, um, that it was like a learning experience for everyone. Um, but I did have like, you no know, great great team, great attendings to really lean on. You know, they gave us um, time in our schedule where if we needed a break and kind of like, needed time away from the ICU, they'd do it and have someone else fill in. Um, I have a great team of PAs that I work with that we're able to cover each other whenever we need to. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely was very intense um and because my hospital is actually going to be closing to build into a new location we had a lot of empty space so we actually took a lot of the patients from other hospitals that were being overcrowded um New York also had um makeshift hospitals in like the Javits Center and like the central in Central Park so a lot of those patients would come in intubated and you know come into wow. our ICU yeah so it, it definitely was very stressful honestly um those are like the longest three months of my life. Like I look back and I'm like, where did the whole like spring and summer go? Um, but definitely was really tough. Um, and it really kind of made me have to mature as a clinician, um, and really learn how to cope with, you know, the stressful part of, you know, having to say bye to patients and stuff. And during the time, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, a lot of family members couldn't come in and see the right. patient. That's also the hardest part, too, where, like, family members, like, I just want to see them. I want to come in. And, like, we couldn't let that happen. So there were times where, you know, I've had to hold my phone um, in, like, a, a little stat bag so it wouldn't get contaminated. And I'd hold it and have the family, like, talk oh. to, like the, like, the patient. And I'd have to, like, she's, like, can you help me, like, hold, like, his hand for me and everything. So it was definitely, like, hard Um and I look back, I'm like, no one ever taught you that in PA School, like no, no one ever taught you, like, you know, like everyone teaches like all this medicine and this exciting and all that stuff, but no one really teaches like the part where like medicine isn't like the happiest moment, you know? Mm-hmm. So that honestly like threw a lot of things into like a tornado and kind of like really messed with like my life a little bit. Um, but a lot of the hospitals along with mine developed like a mental health program and like oh, cool. had a relaxation really center. Um, definitely I'd say New York needed it a lot, um, because yeah. a lot of us were really overworked, um, mentally and physically exhausted for the most part.
0: Gosh, isn't that crazy? I mean, that, and know, I just think about how, like, I have a two-year-old and how, like, when she's in high school, she's going to read about this and learn about it yeah. in history. Yeah. And that's so weird to me. And then, I mean, how it will change PA school education and change, just i think all education moving forward like it's wild like you said i mean like even six months ago if you told me that this is where we'd be i'd be like you're crazy like even at the beginning i was like it's just the flu like (laughs) i I was definitely one of those i was like it's not a big deal and then two weeks later i was like oh wait i retract my statement this is a big deal yeah what's happening. Yeah. Um, um actually the first patient that came into New York City actually went into my
1: hospital system. So like wow. we got like a mass like email saying like we just got our first COVID PUI. And I remember like my group chat with my ICU coworkers like going off like there's no way. Like and then my hospital has many um the system has many campuses throughout New York City. Um so we're one of the ones downtown Um, so we're like which one is it is it the main one uptown and like we're trying to figure out is it in our icu right now like we're like all freaking out like oh my goodness um so definitely like yeah it was it was very crazy just even like think about it um like flashback now like i can't believe and you know in the beginning everyone's just saying like oh it's you know just the flu and stuff and then like we see these patients like in like kidney failure and everything we're like is it really it's not really just the flu anymore at that point so it definitely was a big learning curve.
0: to everything so. yeah so like looking back and obviously none of us can like predict the future and all this stuff but I mean a year ago when you were looking for jobs and choosing jobs like if you knew a pandemic was coming would you have would you have signed up for it because I feel like that's the spot that like pre-pas are in now which is interesting like they've gotten to see this happen and so I'm kind of like like look y'all this is this is medicine it is unpredictable very unpredictable and wild at times and like that's what you're signing up for even if you could never predict it um and so i think and it like i think it's completely valid for some people to rethink their decision to enter medicine because of it like maybe they can't handle these things that you're talking about um but yeah i mean like do you think having that knowledge as a pre-pa would have changed your I mean, like, you know, as a pre-PA,
1: I remember, like, on my, like, PA interviews, like, you know, they're, like, why do you want to be a PA? Like, you know, like, the very, like, typical questions, and I remember telling, like, you know, I, like, I want to help people, I want to, like, you know, have that patient interaction, bond with them, you know, develop that connection, and really just help them, and, like, see them walk out of the hospital, that you did something to make them feel better, and, you know, all of the positivity, Um, and, if they were to tell me like what if the pandemic hits were well, you still going to be down? For that, I, I mean every job has, you know, its, you know, plus and pros and cons in terms of like what you sign up for. Um I remember like during COVID like what was really tiring was it was the shifts and then coming home to social media with some people saying like oh COVID's fake, like this is like not real. yeah, You know, and you know, personally I've guilty for getting into some conversations with people and like getting into little arguments saying like you don't know that it's not like it is real like i am living in it like every single day like you know seeing all these patients and you know um a lot of them saying like oh like well the healthcare provider signed up for this like you guys are supposed to know how to do this like you guys should thrive in this and i'm just like not really like you don't ever really sign up for anything bad you know like it happens um and, you know, a, a lot of the residents to rotate they ask like the piece like you guys signed up for the ICU, though. So like, do you guys regret it now? Like, you know, especially for like, the new ones like me, they like, do you regret signing up for this? And I'm, like, you know, like, regardless of what department you're in, like, you know, the surgery interns did not sign up for this, they didn't sign up to be put in the ICU, like, regardless of medicine, you're going to be placed in like roles where you're not comfortable when things like this happen. And you just need to adapt. So I mean, if it was six months ago and someone said like there's gonna be a pandemic that hits, like are you still gonna do it i love the icu um so regardless of COVID or non-covid like the icu is just very it kind of keeps you on your your feet and i'm someone who kind of just gets bored really easily so i kind of need to be put like on my feet at all times yeah um so i think i would honestly i think it was definitely a very hard time to go through but i think i've come out stronger from it Um, You know, I still have a lot to learn, um, given that I'm still in my first year practicing. um, But I definitely did see of, like, a lot of the outcomes that I would not have seen if the pandemic didn't hit, unfortunately. Um, It made me grow. It made me become more creative in terms of thinking about treatments and plans. um, Made me a little bit more confident in knowing that I'm part of the team and I'm no longer that PA student that sits in the back and, like, you know, writes the notes and all that stuff. Um, and now I'm part of,
0: like, the whole intervention
1: and stuff. So, I think I would, honestly. I think I
0: would. you're, like, the definition of a frontline worker, which my my husband's a hospitalist and he hates that term. He's like, don't call me that. Don't call me that. (laughs) Um, but, I mean, like, y'all really are, you know, hands-on with those tough patients. Were you ever scared throughout those, like, rough times?
1: Yeah. Definitely. I was personally like so many things so like you know another thing about covid like it kind of brings it a little bit more personal for every person because when you have family you don't want to like go home with it so like the anxiety that i developed in terms like bringing it back home to like my parents and everything, I actually moved out because I was so freaked out that, you know, like, I would come home, like, I mean, we we go in with our casual clothes, they give us scrubs, and then we would just dispense it back into the scrub machines, but I'm, like, what if that, like, 0.5 seconds of me being in the hospital after I changed, like, you know, what if it's in my hair, what if it's like this and that, Um, so that in itself was like an anxiety matter, and also, like, a lot of our patients seem to be intubated so oftenly um, that, like, it was so often to like, you wanted to just run in the room and do everything, but you couldn't because like you had to gown up and put proper PPE and like you had to, like take it all off the proper way and everything like that. So it definitely was very scary because you know you're taking care of another, you know, another patient and that patient is someone else's family member, loved one and everything, but you're so limited on what you can do. Like you can't just run in there. Um, so it was scary for us, but also scary for them. Um, and also the family members that would call like, you know, for updates, that's also another thing, like they wouldn't hear from us because we would be so busy and you just hear our clerk, like patient's family for bed eight is calling again and stuff. And we're like, we can't call back. We're still rounding. It's like 2 p.m. And like, I know they are expecting, but it's just like so hard. So it definitely was really scary. Um, you know, everyone was scared in their own way in terms of bringing it back home ourselves even getting sick yeah um and you know like just exposing so many people um and being scope like what if we did the wrong thing and stuff like that um so it definitely was a big emotional learning curve as well because it was just like we're so out of our like comfort zone and also, like, in you know, the fear of, like, you know, everyone getting sick. And then, you know, we had some co-workers that also, like, got sick from being, going to, like, the codes and stuff like that. Yeah. And we're like, oh, my goodness, like, this person's out. So now everyone's, like, freaking out, like, well, who was exposed to this person and stuff like that. So it definitely was a scary thing. And, I, like, you know, I look back, I'm like, oh, my God, like, I just graduated PhD school. Like, this is all happening right now. <laughs> that is a lot. <laughs> yeah so like a lot of like the um pas in my program that just actually graduated um they're like how are you doing it like like are you okay and i'm like i don't know i'm like really scared (laughs) um but again like the support that i got from like my family and my boyfriend and like um you know the attendings and the whole team that i really worked with that's honestly what pulled me over um but otherwise you know there were nights that i came home you know crying and like. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. There are days I go to work, be like, I really can't go to work. Um, so it definitely, like, you know, isn't the rainbows of it all, but I felt like that was just so important to show, like, the pre and those that are about to graduate that, like, medicine is just not the rainbows that you see all the time. Man. It's not the lives that you save, saved and the miracles, like, it, it's that, but it's also the ones that are, like, really hard to let go as well. Right.
0: Did um, you, so, since you did a 3 plus 2 program, did you, um, I guess, a, like, a joint program, did you yeah. have patient care experience going into that or not too much? So, I had, like, volunteer experience, so it's a little bit
1: different in terms of the interview process, so, like, I know if you do the four years of undergrad and then apply for pre-school, you need, like, the patient experience, hours, for like yeah, for hours, um, so for us, they obviously didn't expect us to have those hours because we're coming straight from high school. So if you had some shadowing experience, it's like a little bit of a plus. Um, so that's kind of a little bit – that's why it was all a little bit more nerve-wracking
0: when you actually went on rotations because it's like the first time you're, you're actually with patients. Well, that's yeah. I just want ask because I think that, like, is – it's kind of connected because I think sometimes that's the purpose of schools that require, you know, 1,000, 2,000 hours of patient care is to try to have students who are exposed to some of those harder parts of medicine, like before they get to PA school. Cause that can scare people away. Like you were super strong. I would have been terrified. I would definitely been crying every day. Like <laughs> I, I was crying every day cause my husband had to go to work. Like it was not good. So I mean, I think, I think, and like, I didn't have a ton of experience, but I think having some and seeing like I was in a rehab hospital and hospice like that, did expose me to some of that to a degree, like the hard stuff and like losing patients and all of that. Um, So I wonder if that, I I just, I don't think anything though could have prepared you for for COVID. Um, Like even if someone sat you down, I've seen like videos where people are like, like sitting, like sitting you down in January, like, listen, this is going to happen. Like, even if somebody did that, I think we'd all be like, what? No. (laughs) definitely
1: yeah i can't even count the amount of nights where like not like i would just like drive to work and like do i really need to do this right now like do i really have to go back um you know and like i said it definitely wasn't the rainbows of it all like definitely a lot of tears um a lot of like phone calls made to like our coworkers, like you know just venting like you know and everyone just became like really passive aggressive because everyone was just so tired exhausted so that's another thing it's like we had all this social media showing like all this positive like you're doing so much better but like behind the scenes it was just like it is so ugly behind the scenes because it's like everyone is so exhausted and mentally everyone's like not okay and trying to put up a front that we're okay and like people are stepping on each other's toes and like it definitely showed the ugly side of how it can get um so like I think that having the patient exposure, like maybe beforehand, like maybe like now the pre PAs who now seen COVID like in action, like, you know, maybe it's almost where you think, like, is this something I can do? Um, I remember in PA school, like just going to rotations, like, is this the thing that I'm gonna do? Like I'm sitting on like, you know, PS was like a really rough with rigorous like curriculum and all these hours, you know, and there were days that I come from rotation, like crying, like, I don't know if I can do this, like I'm so young, like this is like a lot and then you know, I'm graduated, and here I am again, like, this is a lot, I don't know if I can <laughs> do this, so I just feel like it's, medicine's just, an, uh, it's like, hard, <laughs> curve. it's hard, yeah, yeah it's so it's, hard, it is, and it's not I an feel hard. like people should really know that, Um and, like, the PA students who are applying now, I think they should kind of just keep that in mind, that medicine is not what social media makes
0: it out to be, no. it's definitely more than that. It's hard and it's une- unexpected, and um, I think I mean I think people do give gratitude to medical workers. I think they also don't understand it, and so it can be a little bit thankless sometimes when like people are trying to be appreciative, but then also like you said, saying COVID's fake and yeah, sharing things that are questionable that make you want to respond. Um, which is sometimes I know hard to have to like, hold my tongue or like step away.
1: <laughs> it yeah, it like it, it really was um, after just like a really stressful shift and you just see people trying to like, take away from what you've been doing all day. It's like, you know, and it, at the, end of the day, it wasn't even taking away from what I did, like how, like my team tried saving a patient. It was just like, we lost a patient and like that patient, it's not just a patient, it's a life, it's someone's loved one, like. like thing, yeah. You know like how can you be so close-minded and just think like covid's fake like these people are actively dying from it um but you know i've seen the worst of it because i was in the icu so there were some miracle cases um but i do have to say like it after practicing COVID for like three months it got a little bit more tiring where i was just like i i really don't know what we're doing here like i don't know how we're helping this patient anymore like this is like you know they would be on vents like they would get trachs and then they get to like lean them off of the trachs and like it was just like we've had patients there for like 90 days like wow. it's yeah so it was definitely really tough and it like kind of took the morale of like medicine out like what are we really doing we're like prolonged their life but like you know it's hard like family doesn't want to have a drop in care so it was a lot of like palliative care as well yeah um that I was exposed to um so I never got to see the patients that really got to make it out of the ICU. So I really saw like the worst of the worst of that. But I know when COVID started like kind of slowing down in New York and my ICUs, we started closing down the extra ICUs that we created. Um, it was like kind of like a better sign for us. And we started having like non-COVID patients mm-hmm. and it was like back to square one. It was like, I remember like talking to myself, like, Oh, we're going to do X, Y, and Z and stuff. And he's like, Carlina it's not a COVID patient anymore. I'm like, oh my goodness, like I can practice medicine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: What <Well>, you've, <laughs> <learned.
1: laughs> you've learned. We've learned, yeah. Um, so, and then like I remember we had like a patient with like a GI bleed like after COVID. He was a non COVID patient. He was on three pressers. And we, like, we, the day I admitted him, he was on three pressers. But the, then I was gone for a week and he was off of pressers, walking, not intubated, talking, and all that stuff. And I'm like, I actually like looked at the patients are like crying because I was like, I have not seen a miracle like this and actually happen before my eyes in like four months, Aww. So it kind of brings that back to you. So COVID really it was learning um, factor for me because it made me appreciate the times that I was able to talk to my patients like I was so used to my patients being intubated that like, exams are so different, like going in there and examining a patient was so different. And then like we had talking patients so I'm like, wow, like can I can talk to you again. <laughs> So it's like little things like that, that kind of, you know, you learn to appreciate and stuff
0: yeah. like that. Does it feel kind of back to normal or still different?
1: It's definitely a little bit, it's definitely more back to normal now. Um, so we only have one ICU, so we're back to our normal ICU with our medicine residents. Um, and uh, I was literally just talking to the interns like last night on my shift, like you guys are so lucky, like you guys came in July 1st and just missed like, you know, the whole COVID the thing um and they were just like yeah how was it and like me and like the residents would just like tell them and they're just looking at us like how did you guys We're like yeah like we don't know how like we talk about it now like oh yeah like this and this happened but definitely it's it's better now um we only have one icu and we only have like maybe one covid patient in the icu so um it's definitely a little bit better but we're hoping that it doesn't come back Um, yeah
0: yeah Well, i'm in georgia and so and i'm in a smaller town over there well so it's um and just for everyone listening we're recording this like the last week of july because it'll post next month but um it's so we (laughs) georgia i don't know what i don't know what Georgia's doing to be perfectly honest because we um like we had some cases at the beginning and i'm not in atlanta where it's been worse um but we are like a little bit of a hot spot and so we, like, it was spiking, whatever. We thought we peaked. And then the governor, like, opened the state, like, straight up said, free for all, do what you want. Go bowling. Go to the movies. Um, and so it's been interesting. I'm in a place, too, where, like, I'm, like, divided between two cities. And the cities, like, don't agree. It's so, like, one is requiring masks all the time and, like, has a lot more stringent requirements. And the other half doesn't. And so then everyone just comes to the other half and then goes back to their house. So it's it's very weird. We're definitely seeing numbers, like, going up drastically as far as, like, testing, as far as people in the hospital, ICUs. Um, I mean, I wouldn't... The, the issue is, you know, are we overwhelmed? I wouldn't say we're overwhelmed yet, but it's like, it needs to calm back down or we're going to yeah. get there. And so, obviously, right now, the all the conversations around schools and whether school's going to open and what to do about that. And then just at work, we wear, um, like all the gear like face masks and all that. So it's very, it's very interesting. Um, definitely very different, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are going to look like or. Yeah. I just, I just remember you're
1: having like the first case. Yeah, and then within a week it was like in exploded. This is so bad. But also, like in yeah. New York, um, everyone's kind of like very crowded. Yeah. Um, so you know, like Manhattan in itself, like everyone so basically on top of each other. There's so many people. Exactly. And the hard thing about New York was like everyone came in and out of New York City like for work. So we had people coming from like New Jersey who would drive in and you know take public transportation. So it was a big connecting thing. We couldn't really couldn't trace it yeah you couldn't trace it so far you know we were like you know we're the big apple everyone comes through here somehow um so you know the only thing to do was to really shut it all down and you know like try to clear it out um but definitely like the numbers it's like pretty high for us um and i remember like talking to like family members like oh can you tell me like what your husband used to do before all of this and like you know try to kind of like reconnect them um and like not have them focus that you know their loved ones in the ICU and like you know some people would be like oh like he's a bus driver and I'm just thinking like oh my god all these people who got on the bus like oh, he's a guy who wasn't wearing a mask and, and like he got infected and like just like stories that I was hearing and I was just like this is like insane mm-hmm. um and, like, I never, th- like, while in and I never thought we would make it out of it. I'm like, this is never going to end. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, transferring patients um, and just for new patients to come in. Like, it was, it's pretty crazy. But throughout the time, you know, we did have a lot of trials, so like, you know, the plasma trials. Yeah. And a lot of medication. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were learning a lot about that stuff as well, which I really appreciated. Um. So it was just, it was a really collective work. You know, we worked a lot of uh, departments. We worked with cardiology. We worked with like a lot of neurology team as well, um, neuro and stuff. So we definitely like, picked our brains with one another and tried to figure out a solution. But, yeah. but we're back where we are now and hopefully. Well, that's what's hopefully.
0: interesting. And I, I've actually talked to my parents about it because, like, we're in such a crazy time where, like, we're watching medicine happen and, like, develop. And so I was asking them because I was like, has anything else like this ever happened in, the, like, in your lifetime? And so they were talking about, um, like, Ebola when that was a thing, which I don't really remember. Maybe I okay. should. I don't really remember that. But they were that. And then even um, when they were, like, you know, younger, like, my age, like, talking about HIV and how when that – whole kind of like HIV AIDS started coming out like they like no one knew what was causing it or how it was spread and I mean they said like yeah my you know dad would not touch a doorknob because he didn't know like if he how to spread it and so like it's just crazy and if you think about that like that wasn't that was like the 1970s 60s 70s and so it's taken this long to get to a point where things are like very different there's a different mentality there's you know medication and so like to me it's just crazy to think that we're just starting this covid stuff and i hope things develop a lot quicker but it could be a long time before we really understand it
1: yeah definitely Um, so I work as a per diem urgent care as well.
0: Oh gosh. Um, You're like, you nice. deserve a vacation, even though you can't go on one. Like you deserve one though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you know, a lot of the, um, patients that I had, I was doing a lot of telemedicine at the time when COVID hit, um, for the urgent care. And a lot of them would ask me like, oh, well I saw on the news like this and this is supposed to work or this and this. And like, I was using Plaquenil, and it's was my through my, I saw all of that and I had to sit there and explain to them, like these are medications that you use in the hospital because Mm -hmm. we can honor you. And like, it was a lot of patient education and like, I think, um, COVID was a learning experience for everyone, especially for, you know, like non-healthcare people. Like it was just like, they would read something and be like, Oh, like that should work. And like, you know, it was like a really, a lot of patient education that that I got to do, which I really love to do. Um, and the hard part of all of that, like, you know, they're like, do you know when this is going to end or like, you know when the treatments are going to come and you know a lot of my attendees like oh like you know when hiv first came out like it took this and this amount of time to you know find a treatment and now we like you know patients have hiv we know like how to treat them yeah we know how to, like, you know all that stuff and i'm thinking i'm like we're literally in history right now we, it's crazy like, something new just came and we're going to have to like figure out like how to treat this and stuff And i'm like i don't know like how long is this going to last like if, like I, I want it to come faster but you know um it, it's hard and like now you know in New York everyone's kind of like starting to get back to their normal lives left we're still working from home um but in terms of like a lot of outpatient facilities are now being back open like they're doing some telemedicine but sound like in person now so things are kind of getting a little bit back to normal um so like that's a good thing but I think of how it just like the pandemic just hit a lot of people just can't grasp the idea of how it happened and now like people are just wanting like normalcy back in their lives so they're trying to like go about out and about without masks and stuff like that and like for me like I'm just looking at him like it's not over like I I don't want you know yeah so it's definitely like hard like I like asked the attendings like were you guys ever part of like a pandemic in the past before like you know and they they would tell me their stories but they're
0: like yeah this is like something it's different. different It. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, yeah, no, it's, it's so. Kind of crazy. So whew, well hope hopefully no more no resurgence or whatever in New York or anywhere. Yeah. But um but yeah, where can people like find you or follow along? I don't know if you're on social media or Yeah,
1: we'll have an Instagram. Um so they can follow me there. Um I also have a medium that I've just started cool. um, in terms of blogging and everything like that. Um, So that actually became, like, my little outlet during COVID, um, really putting, like, my thoughts and my emotions onto paper. It kind of got a little bit overwhelming during COVID where, you know, people would ask me, like, how are you feeling and stuff, and I felt like I was saying the same things over and over. Um, And then, you know, like, some people I replied, like, shortly, saying, like, oh, it's, like, it's all right, but, like, I wouldn't just want – I just didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, And then now that everything is kind of over – I've been working on a blog post for since the beginning of March, and I have not published it till this very like moment right now. Because every time I like write, I just like feel everything I've felt in the past four months. And yeah, it like, it's, it's so triggering. Yeah. So like, I look back down like, why wow, I once would write this four months ago. And like, that was when we were in like the heat of COVID. And now that I'm writing back, it's like a little bit different reflection. Um, so I definitely have that as well. Um, but, yeah. We'll
0: we'll link to all of that so everyone can yeah. can read it, and I'm sure they'll be very appreciative of you sharing your your experience. Yeah, definitely.
1: I really wishing the best luck for the new grads that just came out um, from PA school.
0: Season. Yeah, so, yeah. It's different.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, very different. And also, I'm sure like their jobs are not 100 percent back to normal.
0: It's hard to uh, and, and finding jobs is difficult too. So yeah,
1: right now, yeah. Um, so you know, I've told a lot of the grad students that just graduated from my program, um, like, you know, just take it easy, like your job description may not be what you want it to be because of how COVID is right now. Um, you might be shipped to another department if COVID hits again. So, you know, like many. I told them to kind of like be aware. Yeah. yeah, many, you know, I actually, one thing that I did love about COVID is that I got to work with a lot of different PAs. So I had actually a lot of plastic surgeries, PAs that came into the ICU. Wow. Um, like surgery PA's um a lot of like travelers that I got to really like learn what they got to do like a lot of common people so I actually got to talk a lot more about the specialties and like kind of be like oh what do you guys what did you guys do before all of this and they told me and I'm like wow I didn't know you can do that yeah it was really nice to meet like you know other people um coming in and like from different locations and stuff out of New York and I'm like oh wow that's like pretty cool and stuff. So it's like a little plus in terms of like just networking. Yeah, um, Go into the so, community. Yeah, definitely. So I, I was, you know, I told an advice for all the new grads, like, you know, just keep your eyes open for any opportunity. Um, you know, just network and like figure out, um, you know, how to kind of just thrive
0: from moving on from PA school. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard. Um, well, you're doing great. I'm very impressed by you. So um, <laughs> thank yeah. You. Well, thank you for sharing your experience.
1: Thank you for having me on here. (laughs)